where lust for a whole life and nothing but less makes people jump out of a comfortable pond into an unknown ocean. Welcome to that journey between the East and the West. Who says Rolling Stones don't get a moss? Hello everyone, I am Meenu Gupta, your host for the day, and I'm delighted to have you join me every week as amazing people share their incredible and inspiring life stories of straddling continents. Thank you. In the language of culture, you are a third culture kid or individual. For the audience listening in, third culture kids or third culture individuals are people who are raised in a culture other than their parents and also live in a different environment during a significant part of their child development years. They are typically exposed to a greater volume and variety of cultural influences than those who grow up in one particular cultural setting. So the first culture of such individuals refers to the culture of the country from which the parents originated. The second culture refers to the culture in which the family currently resides. And the third culture refers to the distinct culture these individuals develop on their own, which is sometimes a fusion and at times actually has no connection to either of the other two cultures. Now, these are theories. Tell me your experience. What was it like growing up as a European living in Hong Kong? So when people ask me this, it's always very difficult to answer because I don't have a comparison. I only know what I know. So what was it like living in Hong Kong? I mean, it's all I knew. For me, that was home. I actually did not even know that my parents were expatriates in Hong Kong until I myself, in my 20s, moved to Shanghai and understood what the term expatriate was. Because Hong Kong was my home. These were my people. It didn't matter what color skin we had or what languages we were speaking. I never thought about it. It never came to my mind to think about it. Now, obviously, as I'm older and with media, I realize there's a difference between, you know, African-Americans, Europeans, you know, Chinese-born Americans. I understand the concept. I had no clue. I didn't even hear these concepts in the past. So how was it growing up in Hong Kong? I mean, I have European parents, but I'm in an environment where I'm a minority, right? I mean, the majority of people living around me are Chinese, and obviously they look different than I look. I'm blonde. When I was little, I had hair up to my bottom. It was unique. It was different. I went to an international school, though, so I didn't feel fully different because I had friends that were also white, that were American, European, Australian, but I have to say my best friends were those that were mixed. So my best friend from home, she's half Australian, half Japanese. Another one of my best friends was half German, half Hong Kong Chinese. And I make a differentiation because we just did. It was just automatic between Hong Kong Chinese, mainland Chinese, Taiwanese. I mean, we're very specific on what the other nationality is when we are talking about our friends. And it's just stuck with me that I continue to do that. So it was you know, my closest girlfriends were of mixed races even, right? I don't know. It just was normal. I honestly didn't think twice about it. Difficulties arose in my youth 
predominantly because I was part of the Hong Kong national swimming team. And there was a little bit of politics in that, that for the organizers, they did not necessarily want to have a European being part of the national team. They wanted it to be authentic, Hong Kong Chinese being part of the team. So sometimes it was difficult to get chosen, even though I qualified, right? Had the ID card, born and raised. All I knew was Hong Kong is my home. My patriotism was for Hong Kong. Never having lived in Germany or France in my entire life, going there for three weeks in the summer holidays, so one time per year. Can't tell me I was French or German. (laughs) Holidays are very different from living day to day. So that was where I started to realize I was different. I knew Hong Kong perhaps was not my home, but I was very lucky to have very supportive parents who pushed for my rights. And eventually I was chosen as part of the Hong Kong national team, was able to travel with the Hong Kong national team and and participate in global world events, competitions, which was absolutely phenomenal to represent my country because that's how I felt and still feel that it's part of my country. Again, it's hard to compare because I don't know in my youth what the differences were. You know, spending three weeks in France and Germany in the summer, it's not the reality of those countries either. Cities are shut down. You don't have as much of the volume of people. So I, I can't really say that I knew where my parents were from either. Not really, not on the day-to-day basis. So it's, it was just home. There was always a period of learning, although that learning gap grew shorter as I got older because I knew going in that every place would have its nuances. Remember, we started, I started in a remote hospital in North, you know, in the jungle of Africa. Actually, a lot of savannah, not very much jungle, but way out in the middle of nowhere. And at least my dad, he had a lot of challenges. We had a lot of challenges growing up, but at least he was able to help me see, not just think of why isn't this American? I mean, we worked with other, other people, other folks at this mission hospital, and they struggled with that cross, that, that making that mind shift. But my dad was at least open-minded enough to kind of look at how things happened in the villages around where we were at and began and was open enough to ask questions of those he was asking of why is this a challenge? Where am I, where am I, um, I, I have this problem. What do I need to change in order to, to cross the divide, cross the bridge? I, you know, when I was eight, I learned that in listening to the news, you listen to the BBC, Radio Moscow, and Voice of America, and then where everything intersected, that was what was going on. Everything else was their propaganda, their political spiel. So learning how to filter out the messages they wanted me wanted us to hear for what was actually the kernels of information that were important in that. So I learned that early on. So when I, you know, we began moving to Asia, again, looking around real quickly. Fortunately, when I was in boarding school, I had, you know, kids down there in Penang who helped me as well. When we were in Phnom Penh, you know, what's it like there? I mean, that was an adventure in itself. Uh, ones that, you know, in today's concept of safety would turn most people's hair gray, just talking about it. So you learn to look and listen. And then try to be cognizant of, is this my opinion coming from my passport country? Or is this 
something that will fly here. I think in, it was not until early 2000, 2010, then in the humanitarian field, we began to cotton on to the idea of, oh, let's listen to our beneficiaries. Let's get their input on what's supposed to be done. My dad was doing that and teaching me that when I was in middle school. Uh, because again, you have to remember when you go to a new country, you're not in the U.S., so therefore you cannot have U.S. expectations, how they do things in Thailand or how they do things in Cambodia, how they do things in, in Guinea are different than how they do them there in the U.S. And I'm not in the U.S., I'm in Guinea, so in Guinea, you follow Guinean rules. I was born in China and I was migrated to Germany when I was 13. So and later lived in the UK, in the US, in Turkey, Singapore, and also lately Indonesia and Thailand. Therefore, East and West was always in my mind. In the beginning, it was um, a little bit in conflict when I just arrived. And later, um, it became a constant comparison. So I have this pattern since I was a child to compare. Through this comparison, was a very big help for myself to understand the cultures. The conflict was more in myself because I was not really adult. So I have not a complete uh, education in neither side. So I was kind of confused of uh, many behavior many systems enhancing different situations from both sides. For instance, um, a very controversy one is how to dealing with um, negative um, opinions. For instance, in, in, in Asian countries, especially in China, it's impossible to express it directly towards other people. If, have, if you've seen some problems, you would try to talk around it so it sounds nice and still somehow arrive to the opposite side. But in Germany, especially, people do not appreciate this way of handling with conflict. In Germany, people appreciate if you are honest. means um, you have to talk about the problems very clearly, very directly. To do that is, I think, for any people who grew up in Asia, was quite, quite um, a difficulty to overcome. To really face to someone and tell what you dislike. I think that uh, many of these kinds of situations I have met and I have to make my decisions. Sometimes from this side, sometimes from the other side, sometimes it's a combination of both. Or I use different, different ways to resolve it under different circumstances. It was quite, uh, quite fun actually also. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I guess the first the awareness of it must have come into your being and, and then you must have decided to take a stance. Until the awareness happened, you must have been confused because you said, I think you were quite young when you moved, right? Exactly, exactly. No, so I think I was always uh, in the capital. And when I came to Germany, I came to a very small town in West Germany. And that is also a very big change because I was coming from a very large city. And then coming to a small town, this is also very uh, a big change for me to use to a totally different infrastructure. Dear listeners, the voices that you just heard belong to Christina, Drew and Yang. Christina Kolucha is of European descent, but has been born and brought up in Hong Kong, as you just heard. And she's now hopped and lived in some more parts of the world. Christina has handheld more than 750 international companies to enter the Chinese market. Drew Bishop currently resides in Washington and has moved across the world and experienced life in places which many have just seen on the map. From war-torn regions to jungles, 
cosmopolitan cities and earthquake-ravaged zones. He has seen life and death at close quarters. His phenomenal takeaway from growing up and living in multiple cultures is be slow to speak, slower to react, and quicker to listen. Yang Lu is an award-winning author and designer who has traveled continents and not only brings a world perspective, but also a unique way of communicating it in pictorial mode. Her works have won numerous awards and can be found in museums and collections all over the world. Diversity has many faces and this kind of life that Christina, Drew and Yang have lived is one of them. In times to come, the world will see more and more of third culture and multicultural individuals. Given the mobility of the age we live in and the dissolving of physical borders, are you a third culture individual? If yes, do write in and tell us. We would love to hear your comments. Thank you for listening to the series between the East and the West. Do subscribe to the channels mentioned on the site in case, of course, you liked what you heard. I am Meenu Gupta, the host of the series, and I'll be looking forward to your comments. We love feedback. Thank you once again. Namaste and bye-bye.